Bonjour. Welcome to the National Native Network podcast. In this episode, National Native Network Program Manager Josh Hudson speaks with some representatives from Clearway, Minnesota, discussing the journal article, Tobacco Industry Misappropriation of American Indian Culture and Traditional Tobacco, that was published in the Journal of Tobacco Control. He will be speaking to Coco, Aaron, and Joanne, three of the Clearway, Minnesota representatives who put together this article. So here's Josh, Coco, Aaron, and Joanne. So my name is Josh Hudson. I'm the program manager for the National Native Network at the Intertribal Council of Michigan. On the line, I have some colleagues from Clearway, Minnesota. If you'd like to introduce yourselves, we can start with Coco. Hi, um, I'm Coco Vilas. I'm Hirasa Sinavoyn-Chamorro, and I work in Clearway, Minnesota in the Community Development Department. Aaron? Uh, hi, my name is Aaron and I work at Clearway, Minnesota in research. Joanne? Hi, I'm Joanne DeSilva, and I'm a senior research program manager in the research department at Clearway. All right, thank you. It's good to have you on the line. Um, Great to be here, so, thank you. Thank you. So uh, the whole purpose of today, we just wanted to chat a little bit about your new article. The title is Tobacco Industry Misappropriation of American Indian Culture and Traditional Tobacco. So before we jump into uh, a lot of the mechanics of the article, um, I'm not sure if you wanted to just discuss really quickly, um, you know, the just a briefly describe both traditional and commercial tobacco and how they interplay in general, but specifically also with this article. Absolutely. Um, so for us at Clearway, we really utilize the two tobacco waste framework, um, which is adapted from the Blackfeet Nation, but really making the unique distinction where traditional tobacco is used for spiritual, ceremonial, and cultural purposes um, for many of our American Indians um, and communities. And it's really something that is so vital and plays a central and crucial role um, in our ways of life. Um, whereas commercial tobacco is the one that we all know um, that causes death and disease, such as, you know, um, cigarettes, chewing tobacco, pipe tobacco. Um, and for us, traditional tobacco really is um, embedded in many of our creation stories, and it, you know, has a very significant purpose. Um, there's protocols. It's used to honor and welcome guests, you know, communicate with the creator. We make daily offerings with it um, at times. So um, there's, there's many strict protocols that come with it versus the commercial manufactured tobacco. And how it plays with our, our paper um, in terms of the findings that we've seen is that uh, the medicine, the tobacco itself has been, you know, used and utilized for profit um, that we've seen, um, as well as using the sacred imagery um, on the different packages that we'll definitely dive into later. Thank you. Um, and I know it's mentioned in your article, but um, I just wanted to put it out there so, you know, we talk about it on the podcast. But I know it, you referenced uh, that traditional tobacco was illegal until 1978 with the passage of the American Indian Act, uh, which is really important to take note of that, you know, our traditional life ways were outlawed. So I'm really glad that you outlined it in the article, um, you know, because it's important to remember that, you know, when we have these conversations around traditional and commercial tobacco, where commercial tobacco has been accessible uh, for many years, but traditional tobacco hasn't been publicly accessible. Um, you know, without fear of persecution. 
So in terms of the article, so you, it, it says in your message that you uh, conducted research using documents from the Truth Tobacco Documents Library. Um, you identified 76 documents. I don't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about your, your method. Sure, yeah. So um, we collected documents from the Truth Tobacco Industry Documents Library, and this was really formed through um, litigation that several of the U.S. states had with major tobacco industry uh, and tobacco organizations in the late 1990s. And now the library really kind of serves as a permanent record um, that, you know, for the first time kind of unveiled some of this, um, you know, communication and advertising and various documents that were not previously public. So we used an iterative snowball sampling technique. Um, you know, we started with kind of broad search terms and then narrowed them down um, the farther we got into this, uh, looking for um, really any example of um, traditional tobacco or American Indian culture that was included um, in any of these documents. The initial searches that we got um, resulted in thousands and thousands of documents. So um, it was a, you know, it, we went through them. It was a little bit of a labor of love um, going through a lot of these documents so that we included only the most relevant documents for inclusion. And so this resulted in a final sample of 76 documents um, that ranged from 1935 to 2002. You know, we know that there were certainly things happening before and after that, but um, the, you know, for the purposes of this paper, our search was limited to, to those time periods. Right, thank you. Um, and so, so the objective that was listed is to describe the extent to which tobacco industry marketing tactics incorporated American culture and tradition of tobacco. Um, so what kind of was the uh, the motivating factor for f focusing on this? Um, I, I'm super thankful you guys did this, but, but what brought you to this? I don't know if you wanted to talk a little bit about what brought you to doing the project. Sure, so, um, you know, in all of our work, whether it's been education and policy, um, you know, research, cessation, we've uh, known and been talking about, you know, how traditional tobacco um, it's special, but getting, <clears throat> excuse me, deeper in, you know, understanding, you know, what this looks like and how the tobacco industry has been um, talking about it. And we really feel like our paper um, is the first of its kind to draw attention to the tobacco industry. We've seen that through, um, you know, other papers and working within other communities, but we really wanted to talk about how it misappropriated the American Indian culture through their marketing tactics. And so like Erin was talking about, we use the Truth Tobacco Documents Library um, and was trying to find how the tobacco industry has been using um, the tobacco itself or the idea and the background to sell their products and how they're marketing. Um, and so it was something that we felt was very important, you know, in terms of where we are today with, you know, the mascot issue, all these um, things where they're stereotyping and um, using such important um, imagery and medicines that, uh, you know, it's time for us to call attention to it. and. Um, we like to call this project the labor of love because when you research all these documents within the um, Truth Library, uh, some of them are very appalling um, and get you very frustrated because uh, just, you know, the, all the historical pieces and um, understanding the historical trauma, just like you mentioned earlier, Josh, that it wasn't until 1978 that we were 
allowed to practice our um, you know, spirituality out in the open. Um, so that is kind of, uh, you know, some of the starting bases. Uh, Joanne and Erin, do you guys have anything you would like to add to that? Sure, I can add a little bit. Um, so I think from my perspective, we were really looking to highlight the role that the tobacco industry um, has played in terms of contributing to some of the great health disparities that we see within American Indian communities. There's often a lot of emphasis on the high rates of commercial tobacco use within American Indian communities without calling attention to the underlying determinants, in this case, the role of the tobacco industry in really highlighting those disparities. So this was one way in which we thought we could take a look kind of upstream um, to address one of those driving forces, really to highlight the role that the tobacco industry played in a misappropriating American Indian culture and the use of traditional tobacco. And if I could add just one more thing, you know, we, we have seen um, many times the way that the tobacco industry has really utilized culture and traditions in other communities to, um, you know, in, in really predatory ways to market products specifically to um, certain populations of people and, you know, really has, has a large responsibility in some of the disparities we see, but there wasn't any research that had looked at how they may have done that within Native communities. And so um, that was also another area of motivation. And in, in addition to that too is, you know, for a lot of our communities, um, you know, showing something so sacred as a headdress that is, you know, gifted with honor and, you know, not everybody can walk around with a headdress or even, you know, having the images of um, a pipe for many communities, even, you know, putting that as a public display um, is something that is not necessarily allowed because of the, you know, so sacred um, myth of, of what it is and what it represents. So um, using this as a marketing tactic um, is something that, uh, you know, a lot of our community members talk about. Yes, thank you. I feel like, you know, you all do raise really great points. So I'm not sure if you want to talk um, about the results of your findings. Um, I'm not sure if you wanted to go in depth or if you want to just give a you know, quick look over. Um, you know, but this is a great opportunity to talk about some of the stuff that you found. Sure. Yeah. Um, I I'll kind of do um, just a, an overview that talks about some of the the major highlights of our results. Um, so we found several different patterns in the results, and the earliest documents that we examined, um, which really spanned from like the 1930s through the 1970s, they included a lot of um, Native cultural symbols and imagery. And one of the things that we saw the most frequently during this time, as Coco mentioned, was a traditional headdress. Um, sometimes this was shown on a Native person, sometimes not, sometimes um, it was used alone. Sometimes it was used on um, wooden statues, but really almost without exception, the documents from this time period included really offensive stereotypes and harmful depictions of American Indian people, traditions, and language. And, you know, the documents that we saw that were kind of from the earliest time period, um, they, they demonstrated a connection between um, traditional tobacco, or excuse me, between tobacco and native cultures, but they didn't explore this beyond commercializing it for profit. Um, 
and you know this was this was really done in appropriative and offensive ways. Um, the next kind of segment of documents that ranged from the 1980s through the 1990s began to include a little bit more of the historical context um, surrounding traditional tobacco in many Native communities, but this was kind of framed as being um, more reflective of changing cultural norms and giving more respect toward Native people and cultures. Uh, however, the ads themselves were still pretty dehumanizing and really focused on commodifying culture more than actually exploring um, anything about traditional tobacco that they were using for profit. And the most recent documents that we found, um, which kind of built on what we were seeing in the 80s and 90s, but continued into you know at least the early 2000s, promoted tobacco as natural and treated their use of culture with a sense of reverence. So this really kind of culminated with the emergence of the Santa Fe Natural Tobacco Company and their product, Natural American Spirit. And you know, we know that a lot of brands of commercial tobacco have used American Indian imagery and culture to justify their existence and sell products. But Natural American Spirit really stands alone in exploiting culture. Um, because they explicitly make the connection between traditional tobacco use and the commercial tobacco products that they sell. Uh, you know, we found documents with the former CEO really crediting um, their entire business model on the basis of traditional tobacco without, you know, acknowledging the fact that what they're doing has absolutely nothing to do with what tobacco means to so many people and so many communities and instead, you know, commercializing it for profit and, um, in a product that harms. And you know, kind of overall, we saw that the, the industry really used traditional tobacco to justify their existence and justify the use of commercial tobacco products. Thank you. Uh, I do, um, I did note in one of the subsections that the Santa Fe Natural Tobacco Company, um, that they sold products, uh, I'm, I'm reading from the paper now, SFNTC sold products such as smudge sticks and Powell blend tobacco and prominently featuring ceremonial regalia and pipes and branding. I, I think that that's really uh, a very concise way of, you know, pointing out how problematic this is. Um, you know, so they're not just using our imagery, but they're also uh, commodifying and profiting from our culture by selling other medicines, not even just tobacco, but other medicines. I think that shows the serious lack of like ethics and morality um, and the strong positioning of the dehumanization from the, the company. They're just one, one example. Yeah, absolutely. And also, in addition, um, we've seen uh, a set of vignette cards that they were also, you know, utilizing with uh, the different, um, you know, chiefs of different tribes and, you know, stating facts of, you know, part of this uh, tobacco trading card, um, you know, memento. Um, again, so selling, you know, humans and, you know, medicines as, uh, <clears throat> you know, different uh, pieces uh, while people are, you know, um, enjoying their addiction <laughs> so it's a uh, it's been quite interesting and um you know the in the um, paper you'll notice a lot of different um ads and um, different things and seeing kind of the shift 
from the stereotyping to, you know, the sense of reverence that Aaron was just talking about. Um, but again, it's uh, all done without um, permission from our tribal communities and um, nations um, and, you know, selling for profit and really twisting what this uh, beautiful gift means to a lot of us. And I think, um, you know, Coco, I know that you mentioned uh, earlier in the conversation that uh, this likens back to many other issues that are, you know, talked about in the mainstream. Um, even, you know, to, you know, like this very day, you know, the conversation around mascots and how, like, that's a systematic form of dehumanization. And, you know, so the idea has gone from, um, this was, you know, present in the, the mascot issue, but it's present here too, and it's mentioned in the article. But it talks about how it starts out with the images, uh, but you know, they also portray Native people as dumb. You know, uh, talks, you know, there's a quote in here: "No heat, big medicine talk." Right? Um, also, me dumb engine. You know, so they use our imagery and make us look stupid, uh, and then you know that progressed you know, when they realized that that was negative, so then they, you know, changed their tactic to being, you know, focusing on the reverence of, you know, these people, you know, do these things and they're, you know, they're very important, but how important were they really if they were never consulted, you know, if they were never really brought to the table or, you know, so here they are profiting off of who we are as a people um, and some of our images and, some of, you know, our medicine and not even consulting with us, not, you know, helping our communities in any way other than marketing this. And, you know, as a, as a side note, uh, you know, I've, I've moved around a lot and I know that there are a lot of people who don't necessarily live in their communities or even if they do live in their communities, there, there's often a, not often, there are sometimes a lack of cultural identity or lack of cultural connection and so some people will smoke uh, these cigarettes, you know, the cigarette brands with the imagery on it because, you know, they'll identify with it. Well, I am Native and I'm going to smoke these cigarettes, you know. Um, and so, like, I, and as a people, we're a small demographic, but I think that that's powerful and instructive in itself that, uh, you know, they've, they've taken away so much of us, of who we are as a people through this marketing and, you know, this, you know, this research article is one example of us coming back and, you know, reclaiming um, that space and that conversation and that agency, you know, to speak for ourselves and to point out the ways in which we've been victimized and taken advantage of. I also really appreciate in the article how on one of the pages we have a, um, a copy of a policy statement explaining a re the relationship with Santa Fe Natural Tobacco Company and and, you know, this just goes exactly on the lines of what you gave the overview of, you know, no, you know, we're not an American Indian company, but, you know, we, you know, we respect them. So, you know, I, I think it's just really interesting to see some of these documents um, or elements that you've included in the article. I think it's really exciting. So I guess for each of you, what I would say, or what I would ask is, for each of you, what I would ask is, uh, what are one or two main takeaways from the work that you completed and from
and or from this final article that's been shared, what would you want people to know most about this work and the nefarious nature of the tobacco company relating to I think one of the big takeaways from my perspective is that the industry really capitalized on the connection between Native peoples and traditional tobacco, really using it to validate the creation and existence of their industry that specifically continues to this day to market a deadly commercial product. And I think our goal with um, this paper was to shed light on that as well as to provide advocates with these tools, you know, like the policy statement that you just mentioned, Josh, which is highlighted um, in the article. And I think um, your listeners will have a, a link to the article so that they can take a look at that. Um, but also there's a link to all of the various documents um, within the article with a direct link to the tobacco industry documents uh, website. And so we hope that um, advocates will be able to utilize um, those in their efforts to really counter the tobacco industry's um, influence as part of uh, all of the work that we're doing to address commercial tobacco use uh, in our communities. Thank you. Um, anyone else wanted to share? Sorry, Josh. Um, we're just uh, pointing to who should go next. We work with such an amazing group here. Um, everybody's so awesomely, you know, kind and humble. So it's like, who's going to speak? Who's going to speak? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, you know, I, I definitely want to echo what um, Joanne said. And, um, you know, I think we're this is something we're really proud of and we really want um people to utilize um, in, you know, in no way or shape or form, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, how a lot of our community members are still using, um, you know, um, tobacco products such as Natural American Spirit, um, again, because it's also understanding the journey that we are on with uh, traditional tobacco, um, because it wasn't until 1978 that we had access, and, you know, we really thank our uh, ancestors who kept these uh, tobacco traditions alive for us to continue our way of life and how we're using it. Um, but now we're seeing a lot of resurgence of people growing and harvesting their traditional tobacco. Um, we're starting now to see a lot of uh, people um, only use traditional tobacco, but um, we also understand where people do not necessarily have access to that and are still using that. So um, this is part of our ongoing um, education in hopes that this um, document will just also raise awareness of <clears throat> you know, natural American spirit, not being this organic natural product that they claim to be, um, that it is, um, you know, owned by the tobacco industry. Um, again, but along with the education and getting people to really understand um, the background and misappropriation, you know, really um, the feeling of uh, this medicine, you know, from a long time ago. Um, but I think we're really in a beautiful time and a, and a resurgence um, of seeing people across the country um, really dedicating time and, and dollars to these efforts um, to change the way that we're um, looking at tobacco. We really want to reduce the harm that commercial tobacco causes um, to us, but, um, you know, in a way that 
uh, you know, has this pride with this traditional tobacco medicine um, that is so sacred. So um, a lot of times you'll see us using, you know, hashtags, keep tobacco sacred or reclaiming sacred tobacco. Um, and, you know, the different campaigns that's mentioned in the paper, paper like in California, um, <clears throat> you know, really flipping the script um, in honoring um, what the original intention of tobacco is. Thank you, Coco. Erin, I wasn't sure if you wanted to chime in. You know, I think we're we're really proud of this. We are, you know, thankful for the opportunity to kind of shed the light on um, some of the the ways that the tobacco industry has, um, you know, used this imagery to justify their own existence and used culture to justify their own existence in ways that have been really harmful to communities. Well, thank you, Joanne and Coco and Erin, for you know your closing closing thoughts and um, again thank you so much for this article you know I know I know it took a lot of time and effort and not easy work um, you know and I feel like oftentimes research is uh, kind of like the the back kitchen you know people don't see what all went into the final product uh, you know they don't see all the hard labor that went into it so thank you for all the hard work that you put into this um, and writing this article, you know, compiling all the resources. It's, it's serious work. Um, so thank you. And I'm so thankful that you were able to put this out because it's so useful for so many people. Um, you know, I know it's really useful for me because I find myself in rooms talking about this, but I don't have anything to necessarily point to. You know, I know that the imagery has been used, and I know it's harmful, but I don't have, you know, the... Know, the the science behind it so you know you guys you know thank you to the three of you for the work that you've done because this is very useful it's very exciting um and you know like you said i do think it's a one of the kind paper at this point in time you know, i i haven't seen anything else that comes even close to this so thank you for this great work um you know you're really helping to create a, a healthier indian country and a healthier you know america by you know doing research like this. So thank you. Thank you for listening to the National Native Network Podcast. You can find more of our podcast and other resources on our website, keepitsacred.org. Also, we have a SoundCloud page where all of our podcasts hosted. You can also follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Meek Witch. Till next time. Bama P. He rock, Josh is amazing. Thank you so much again for the opportunity. It's it's really awesome and um, you know, we're just like I said, really super proud of this. So thank you for allowing us to have this space to be able to share the story in the way that uh, we want to share it, the story to be shared. So really appreciate it. Yeah, that's what the network's here for.